Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. JP and welcome back to round two of the Grapple Roundtable. This week we're going to be looking at sort of New Japan fandom and why New Japan um, attracts so many sort of different audiences as well. Um, slightly different from normal podcasts you'd hear about New Japan where it would be the likes of me rambling on about it. Instead, we've got three New Japan fans. First of all, we have Lison. How are you today, Lison? Hi, uh, I'm all good. Uh, it's all fine. A bit hot. Yes. The weather, but all good. Thank you. And we also have, you might have heard it on the Two Sarahs podcast, we have Sarah Flannery. Hello, Sarah. Hello, hello. How is everyone? All good, but very sticky as we were having in the conversation <laughs> before this. This is, yeah. there might be a notable fatigue towards the end. I think I'm the luckiest one of all that Dublin isn't as hot and sticky today. I think it's, you know, mild stickiness. Um, <laughs> but yeah, happy to be talking about New Japan, my favourite topic in the world. Fantastic. Delighted to have you on as well. And we have our returning champion, Steph Chase. Hello, Steph. <laughs> How are you? Hey, JP. Nice to talk to you again. I'm too hot as well. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's... Very, very draining, this is. But it's so hot. It's too hot to be indoors. We'll have to pack in all our hot takes at the very start <laughs> and see where we go from there. So, um, first of all, I want to ask, um, and I'll start off with yourself, Lison. How did you get into New Japan? I actually don't remember the first time because I know I was watching New Japan in like 2014, 15. But I don't really remember why it started. I think I probably saw some guys in the Indies and thought like, oh, this looks interesting. But I was watching like not on the regular. And I started again in January because everyone was talking about uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Mm. And it looked so good. And I just watched it and I was like, yeah, that's it. That's what I was looking for. And I just wanted back again like... The good feeling when I watched wrestling, I wanted back again, like feeling happy watching wrestling because it wasn't the case anymore, really. So that that's just it. Just uh, because people were, were talking about it again. So uh, before that, I kind of gave up in a way because uh, I used to watch WWE and then uh, American Indies. Uh, a bit of AW recently, and a lot of retress, which I gave up on. Um, 
And the Japanese wrestling seems like kind of far away enough to have some distance, but also it's a different style. And yeah, it just gave me my faith in wrestling back, I would say. Sarah, how about you? How did you first get into New Japan? JP, I think you'll like this story because it stems oh, from yeah. TNA. <laughs> I, I'm there at TNA. You know, back in the glorious 2009-2009, there was two men, Chris Saban and Alex Shelley, Motor City Machine Guns, and they were going off to perform at Wrestle Kingdom. I think it was Wrestle Kingdom 3 in 2009, and they were against No Limit, Yujiro and Naito. And I was such a big Motor City Machine Guns fan, but I was seeing this huge spectacle of Wrestle Kingdom in the Tokyo Dome. And that's kind of the first time I ever watched New Japan. Now, I wasn't a New Japan regular after that, but, you know, I'd keep up with uh, Prince Devitt. You know, I heard him getting buzzed around 2010 that this, you know, well, well, we have Sheamus that's in the WWE. And I watched Becky Lynch on the Independence and Shimmer before she uh, took a sabbatical. Mm. I was like, oh, my God, there's this other, you know, big Irish wrestling star that I've never heard of. And then I took a break for a few years, probably just watched it like bits of it here and there. Um, and then I'd say when I properly started watching religiously again it was 2016, that best of super juniors um, that everyone talked about at the time, Ricochet was so big. Ah, and yes. then, and then from there, that was it. You were hooked, hooked on the hooked. ghetto crazy drug. G- Gatoism is is real, and that's what I've got into. <laughs> <laughs> the new Scientology. Steph, how about you? Because I know we've spoken about New Japan, obviously, mm-hmm. a few times, but why New Japan specifically? Well, firstly, like, I'm ashamed of how long it took me to get into New Japan, <laughs> because, uh, I mean, I started re- watching wrestling in about 95 or 96, so I am ashamed how long it took me to get into New Japan. Um so kind of similar to Sarah, I actually got into New Japan because I don't even know how it happened, but I found out about Prince Devitt. Um, I found out that there was a wrestler, an Irish wrestler, um, and being an Irish person that supports all other Irish people, I was like, yeah, I have to, I have to see this guy. So I started watching um, probably like, uh, just before he formed Bullet Club. Mm. Um, but I was really, like, very much just focused on him and watching his matches. Um, and then he did... When he started Bullet Club, I think it kind of made New Japan a bit more accessible to English-language fans. Um, so I kind of followed all that. And then when he signed to WWE, um, I was... It's funny to think back to it because I was so happy for him, like when he signed WWE. And now I think it's like the worst thing that ever happened to him. But at the time, <laughs> like so, just so happy that this guy from Bray, you know, signed WWE and everything. So yeah, um, so once he signed, then I kind of like fell off a bit, um, didn't watch him as much. Uh, and then what like totally brought me back was Jericho coming to Japan. Mm. Uh, it was absolutely it because, um, I'm just a massive Chris Jericho 
fans like him. So when he did Wrestle Kingdom um, in 2018, I was like, that was the first Wrestle Kingdom I had to sit and like watch live. Mm. And on that show, that's when Jay White had his match. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I watched it to see Jericho. And then I got completely drawn into Jay White, his like storyline, everything. And I hadn't been like watching anything like really leading up to Wrestle Kingdom, mm-hmm. but I've been listening to like a lot of podcasts that were like going through the card and analysis. Um, so they would talk about him, you know, like he'd say, oh, this, you know, young lion Jay White's coming back and he's got this like, questionable gimmick let's say <laughs> and I was just like oh well I wonder what that's like um and then yeah I was just watching Jay White then I continued to keep watching it and now I'm obsessed with New Japan <laughs> I love that so yeah initially it was kind of Prince David's fault but it's really Jericho's fault and um <laughs> But it's an interesting transition, isn't it? Because you're going from Devitt, then on to Jericho, then on to Jay White, and now potentially yeah, it could like, be any number of people at that stage. It's, yeah, it's, right. it's that individual wrestler that kind of gets you into it. Yeah, it's like the obvious, like I said, the Devitt thing was, mm. you know, basically just because he's Irish. It like it was that, you know, um, just wanting to see him was just because he's Irish. But then he he was such a great wrestler that. Mm. Um, and then his kind of character and everything that he did once he formed Bullet Club was so fantastic. Like that just hooked me on him. So then it just didn't like matter that he was Irish anymore. Uh, and then like anything Jericho does, I'm like totally going to love. But it took him deciding to do New Japan that like opened that kind of door for me to like find everything that's great about New Japan and just become so hooked on it. And then, yeah, finding, like, Jay White, someone, like, at their, at their beginning, like, truly, to latch on to from that point was really great as well. Well, it's interesting. You lead very nicely into it. You talk about the kind of storylines that are uh, mm-hmm. going on. And, and I suppose, really, between all three of you, and I'll start off with you, Sarah, first. The current state of play in New Japan... How are you, uh, I mean, how do you find this period now? They're at a point where they're running shows. They're going to be running the, um, what's the name of the summer show? I feel like I'd know, I should know this kind of detail. It's terrible. Summer. summer Struggle. That's it. I want to say Summer Sizzler, but that clearly is not the case. Uh, no, not at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, we have Summer Struggle coming up. Uh, Sarah, what do you think of the kind of landscape of New Japan? I think it's actually a really interesting kind of, it's kind of a merging two roads that New Japan, I think for so long, like since I'd say 2014, 2015, especially is it's known like for the main events, the five star matches, or if you want to go beyond five stars, depending on, <laughs> on how you how you rate your matches. Um, and that's kind of what it's known for. Everyone tunes in. They see that card lineup. They're, they know they're going to get their six mans in the first half. And then they're going to get, you know, their three or four bangers in the second half. And I think the current situation has forced them into maybe not having as much depth at the top of the card. 
So now, like, there's always been these storylines in New Japan that they've pushed on heavily. But now, because the match quality is now stripped back, there's such a focus on these storylines. And especially with the one that's, you know, I think it's talked about to death, but we're going to talk about it to death some more, is is, is evil and his departure from LIJ and, and you know, the ever-evolving story there and Dick to go showing up and everyone going crazy. You know, that's the stuff that, you know, there's people that can be two different types of fans. You can be your spreadsheet fan and respect storylines or you just fall in heavily deep in, in, into uh, into storylines. And I like to think I'm a bit of both. So I think right now, for people who are looking for those five-star matches, you're just not going to get them right now because that's not their focus. Their focus is building up all these different storylines. And, and you know, I think right now New Japan is really rewarding those who have stuck with them and really engaged in all of their content, not just their, you know, shows that they put on. And um, like they, they put on so many different documentaries and web series and and interviews and you know there's Hiromu's becoming a YouTuber, Yano's becoming a YouTuber. There's so many of them becoming YouTubers now and, and creating all this different content. And I really think right now they're rewarding those who are engaging with with all of it. And and even just like with say Hiromu in particular, I think if people know me, they know he's my favorite and. I've connected him with him in a way kind of beyond um, just wrestling. You know, he means a lot to me, you know, just his story. Mm. And they like he actually, Nissan sent me the, the video that he did before. It's like, Google Lord, when he's facing evil. And if you go into that match without watching that, I think you lose a bit of it. You know, they're rewarding people taking the time to watch that video and he did a documentary a few months ago after he came back you know he goes through his motivations you know he talks why he's not angry at evil he talks why Mido's not necessarily angry at evil that LIJ form their own pads and LIJ don't interrupt in each other's matches because it's always a competition and they always want everyone to do their best by themselves and there's always infighting between them because they all want to be the best and I think right now that's what they're focusing on and they're focusing on that particular type of fan who's engaging with that rather than someone who's watching it to add another match to their spreadsheet Listen, do you feel the same way about that then? I mean, would you say in terms of your type of fandom that, you know uh, uh, Sarah talks there about the sort of spreadsheet fan and the the uh, then the kind of character storyline fan mm. do you feel, are you um are you the kind of New Japan fan who finds yourself more engaged necessarily by the storylines and feel rewarded? Yeah, uh, yeah uh, I think actually in all wrestling, I would say I care more about the storylines and the characters and what happens in like after the matches, uh, the little things at ringside during the matches, maybe more than the matches itself. Hmm. And like, I, I love a good match. Like I love an, an amazing match but sometimes like I prefer just to see the relationships the characters uh, the drama everything around it more than matches I'm not a, a spreadsheet fan like I never done that I don't rate matches I don't like I don't care about it that much mm. like if someone tells me oh this is a good really good match I will watch it but it's not what will draw me to a promotion or to 
uh, a wrestler. No, no, I just really love to see what happened, like the storylines. And I mean, even more the relationships between the people, which is why I love like New Japan, because they have factions. Mm. And that's, to me, is really important because uh, it builds on a long period of time. Like, I know they won't break it off uh, in, like, a year or two. It will take time, and I love to see that, to see the building of that. And it makes a betrayal, like Evil just did, even worse or better. Like, it depends on how you see it. But to me, it's way better. So you're, like, kind of following the flow of the narrative, really, aren't you? I mean, do you find yourself doing that, that stuff? because you'll watch things like those. I mean, because I must confess, I, I haven't necessarily engaged with as many of the documentaries. There's certain types of documentaries that I like about them. But I, I, do you, is, obviously, you're a massive New Japan fan. Do you, you engage with that? And do you find that to be the case in terms of the LIJ storyline and that perhaps what lots of fans are missing? Yeah. No, I absolutely like agree with uh, everything that's been said. Um, to me, New Japan... <clears throat> It's to me, it's like wrestling, like high art, <laughs> and it almost like makes you feel like uh, some kind of like snob when you're watching, when you're someone that's really intricately into it, because you cannot explain to someone that doesn't watch New Japan hmm. what it's like to be invested in Japan storylines, because if you take someone like obviously I watched all the WWE stuff as well. And like, I don't want to, you know, just bash them or anything, but I've not been invested in any way in the WWE storyline or character in an extremely long time. You're not alone on that. No. Yeah. Um, and New Japan is like a totally different experience. It's almost like, um, like I feel like a kid again, but I'm not in a way, but in a way where like, I'm intellectually satisfied as an adult. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I I find the stuff that made me fall in love with wrestling when I was very little and didn't understand everything, uh, I feel like that's in happiness watching in Japan with how they do storylines. I, like, uh, like I said about how I got very, like, invested in Jay White. Like, I never thought I'd get invested in another wrestler again like that at all in like my whole life you know um and the way they you you just want like that connection with a wrestler like if you take someone like Jericho for me like he's been entertaining me for like 20 years now and for me like that's a fully developed character where everything he does I understand and there's like a a line through it where I can look at his whole career and I don't see that with pretty much any modern wrestlers. But when you get to New Japan, you get all those storylines. Like, uh, when it comes to, like, someone like Jay White, like, you know, I know what a lot of people have, like, their criticisms about him, but I think if you were, like, truly watching what he's doing, you know, it's... <laughs> Sarah's furiously nodding during this. <laughs> I, I will vouch for Jay White anytime I can, so I fully agree. <laughs> well, like, I feel, and this is maybe a totally separate, like, topic that I maybe, like, shouldn't, like, segue into, but when it comes to, like, Jay White, um, 
like I'm at the point where I am like on edge mentioning him because in my in my experience, um, men like don't like him, and when you vouch for him as a woman, they take it in a totally different way. And this is something that I've battled with so much that literally a couple of months ago, I was like, I'm never even going to tweet anything nice about him again because literally, like, the replies I would get from men, like, thinking that it was something else was just infuriating me so much. And for some reason, he brings that out in people, which I find to be so odd. I'm well aware of it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've been doing a podcast where we've kind of been absolutely brutal about him. And, and no, it's... but I think, like, mm. it's, I know, like, your guys' opinion on Jay, and, you know, I have spoken to Joe about this, obviously, and um, they're that not... That's great. <laughs> yeah, but they're not coming at it, like, from the same angle. Like, I could totally understand, like, Joe's, like, criticism of everything, so when I talk about guys like that, like, I actually don't mean you guys and Joe, but there's, like, other certain guys where I don't know what it is about him, but they, if you have a, if you're a woman with a good opinion on him, they will absolutely dismiss it as something else that like, you just basically that you just fancy him, which I don't get when I give a good opinion about any other wrestler. And it's really weird. And um, I don't know, but I don't know if any of like the rest of you have experienced that with the wrestler, but it's like for me, like that's the one who like brings that. Like I can say something positive about anyone else, and I don't get like what you get when it comes to him. <laughs> I feel like I like I actually just get it on a general basis now. I think I'm lucky that I'm a bit older now to the point that people are like, no, she actually likes wrestling. So yeah. no, yeah. she she's talking about it for the right reasons. But I think for so long. You just get like, oh, yeah, I like this restaurant. Oh, you only like them. You know, you're only watching them because you, you find them attractive. And, yeah. you know, like you, you do make the jokes. I think I, any wrestling fan makes a joke about like someone. I bought a show in your picture book. Who am I to say? You know, <laughs> I bought, you know, you, you know what I mean? So I kind of I can take most of the brunts. But like, yeah. and then it comes to a point where it's like, especially Jay White. And I do agree. I think Jay White's kind of the number one. And I think Jay White's brilliant. I really do. I think what he does in the ring is he tells such a magnificent story and his character is there to be the spoiler and ruin these big moments for these big baby face characters. I think it's brilliant. And the way that he makes people so angry actually makes me laugh. I just think it's hilarious yeah. because he's doing his job. And I yeah, it, it is funny how we I think we just look at it in such a different way to a lot of people. It's like it came to the point where I like felt like that certain like just a group of certain men in the on the internet were like like trying to like basically push their own narrative that I was like Jay White's number one supporter when it's like actually <laughs> there's like many wrestlers I like and I haven't ranked them yet. But it was just funny that, like, he's the one, like, because these certain people, like, just, like, don't get it, that they cling to and want to make, like, another narrative about it because, like, they just can't understand. <laughs> and I don't know. The way I feel is, like, I've I've got on the Jay White train at the right time and give it a while and everyone's going to be hopping on, you know, give it a couple of years for sure. Do you feel the same way about Jay White, Lisson? Uh, not really. It's not that I 
don't like him or whatever, mm. but I think I've only really started watching New Japan back in January. So mm. sometimes I'm a bit behind. And since March, he's not been there. So I've not seen a lot of him, actually. Mm. Uh, but my best friend is a really, really big fan. So I hear about him uh, a lot. <laughs> but um, no, I don't I, I don't dislike him. Uh, I think he's a great heel. I mean, if people hate him, it's he's doing his job. Um, but uh, I don't necessarily think that if women like a wrestler... For his looks, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like I know I've started to look at some wrestler just because I thought they were hot at first. Like I was like, oh, he's good looking. Let's let's see. And then I discovered that they are really good and they do amazing matches and stuff. So just like to say that I know a lot of men are like, oh, you watch it because they're hot and stuff. And it's not all true because I wouldn't spend hours watching wrestling just because people are hot. But also, what if, like, what if people want to spend hours and time and love just because they're hot? I don't know, like, let people watch stuff, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's like, I think it's got better, like, now, but I think certainly, like, for a lot of men, especially a couple of years ago, like I just couldn't comprehend women being really invested in wrestling. Yeah. Take like the fact that New Japan's like um, even more niche than WWE. It's like they're trying to like find some other reason mm. to like it other than the fact that you just completely love it and like drawn to it like intellectually and emotionally and whatever. And it's, Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it's interesting you mentioned that because I know Sarah um, talking about like the kind of niche appeal. New Japan as a company always seems to understand that they have this large female audience and they and they really are absolutely happy to embrace it. I mean, Sarah, you spoke about the show in your picture book. <laughs> That's who it's there to aim for, no? So it's doing its job. It's entirely like doing the job of attracting it. But is it the fact that? For some men, that it's not something that's made to appeal to men when it comes to wrestling. That just sort of sends the rage buttons going and people sort of lose the plot about things like that. And because I, it, I was doing a bit of research before uh, looking into this and the fact that, sort of, you know, New Japan had a concentrated campaign around sort of Tanahashi and in a kind of appearing in shops at like kind of supermarkets and things like that. The stuff that we don't really see that is kind of on the outside public personas that they have. The fact that you've got, um, I remember Hiromu's friend who's in a, who was doing commentary on the last show is in a popular band. And these are things that we're kind of missing. And I'd have to admit fans like me miss because we've had it kind of driven to us that it's kind of new Japan, the match promotion. And that the storylines are better. Well, I don't know if you'd agree with this. They're kind of very character-driven. The storylines are meant to be organic. They're kind of intertwined with each other like a soap opera, but they have their characters, and, and that's the appeal of watching them develop. Do you think that that's something that, that men are generally missing from this, is that actually half the fun of this is this, this isn't the form of presentation that we're used to getting, and that's why we're inherently all more interested in these characters even if we're not necessarily saying it and we're screaming match quality. I'll, I'll go to you, Steph, on that one. 
another convoluted question that doesn't sound like a question at all. Uh, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, it's funny because it's, um, they do put on the best matches as far as match quality goes. Um, but at the same time, like that's really not the, the drawing factor. Like all their characters are, um, way more than like one dimensional characters. Like all, mm-hmm. all of them you can say like so much about. And if you take something like, WWE that are definitely still just trying to appeal to like straight white men. The way they do characters are so like plain and basic to the point where they're all just different variations of the same robot. Like that don't, you don't get that in Japan. Um, and yeah, when you look at the New Japan audience, what, like what first struck me looking at the audience was how many women there were in it which is something that you only kind of recently see more now in like American audiences, but women in Japan audiences like love it as much as the men or they seem even more excited than men. And like, that's just so nice to, to see. But I think it is probably because of the more character driven storylines and because the, and also like long-term booking of characters and storylines gives you the opportunity to be invested in them. If you take someone like um Hiromu, like he his like character it, it doesn't just like change every couple of months, whatever. Like you can get invested in that person. It's such a long term booking thing. If you look like right now uh, Seth Rollins is doing this Messiah character. He started this couple of months ago. This is just like it's like literally out of nowhere it seems and in a couple of months he's going to be a different character basically and there's just like not something to cling to uh in that character like you may like him as a wrestler or whatever but there's not actually something about Seth Rollins the wrestling character that you can carry with you throughout like your whole fandom of him in the way that there is in New Japan and I know that even when like say if Jay White comes back and turns baby face it will make sense like I have true like faith that it will make sense and everything he's done before that will it's all will connect to where it's the same person that you can be invested in so going on to the kind of evil turn mm-hmm. do you think it works do you think yeah. the evil reign will mean something is it just something there for effectively to get the belt back onto Naito, and it's the kind of placeholder of building him up. Is it about the LIJ story, and is it kind of hinting at where that possibly could go? Uh, yeah, I absolutely think the evil turn means something, um, and I think that it's not uh, like a... It's definitely not like a we're in a pandemic, everyone's gone move, mm, and yeah. it, that's actually been proven with stuff that's um, been said. Like, I know... Last week, Jericho said on his live stream that he basically knew, like, that Evil was going to end up, like, becoming a champion, like, within a year. So I think with people that are, like, dismissing it as something, like, Gato's gone mad. Like, he's not. He's, you know, he's, like, planned this out. Um, he's got the conspiracy wall chart up. He's pointing <laughs> yeah. at it. He's, yeah. Uh, but to me, like, um, the storyline certainly makes sense if you, like, look at the right in Japan. If you kind of go back to, like, of course, Evil was going to be the guy that turned. Um, 
because he's the guy that kind of kind of got like the least attention really like there's Naito in there there's Hiromu we all love Hiromu uh, Sonata like all you ever hear about is how handsome Sonata is and I just imagine evil you know just sitting quietly staring about how mad he is over like being being that that guy but when it comes to like for example like the match he had with Hiromu and I was watching that match and yes I did have to watch most of it in hairdressers and I was so invested and excited in that match and because I had to watch it on my phone in the hairdressers I wasn't on Twitter so I was just watching it like so edge of my seat and I go on Twitter and people are like shitting on it so hard and like the storyline just like were you watching something else <laughs> like and I just think that people weren't um they certainly didn't do what we did as far as watching like these the extra videos that they made um they didn't get that investment I think they literally just thought like you know made a crazy decision by putting making evil John Bullock Club and putting the belt on him because there's a pandemic going on and then and everything he's now like lost the plot when I just don't see it as that at all I I saw it as really good and it's going to mean something and it's going to go somewhere and it all fits perfectly with LIJ like I mean like I can see it from two sides half of me is like match quality hasn't been great and I will admit that evil as a sole entity like his New Japan Cup run wasn't great because he was introducing all these little different steps mm. to becoming this character. So the hints were there. The hints were there when we, they came back from the pandemic. Like something's a bit off with this guy. He is cheating. Like he's beating Yoshihashi down in the chair in, in 90 seconds. And Always good. <laughs> entertaining. That's like the like, best thing though when you can look back and see like those seeds. Yeah, like, and, and that's what New Japan do so well. That they lay these seeds. Like, actually, just before we started recording, we were just talking about the video and how, like, Naido said that Evil's, like, the worst person in LIJ. Mm. He, like, he's so out of, if you have to rank them, Evil's at the bottom, like, a few months before this all happened. Mm. And But I can see from people's side. Like, and he's oh, the first the recruit, part. isn't he? Of course. Yeah, so the first it, one. It plays into that. So he's not Naito's favorite anymore. Everyone's jumped. Everyone's jumped in in the rankings, and like yeah, I didn't really enjoy the Okada match. I didn't really enjoy the Naito match. But what I did enjoy was her, the Hiromu match, and it was because of Hiromu. And Hiromu made it feel very important. Evil, actually, Alan Forel wrote a really good piece in PW Torch about it. And I was like, I, I read through it and I just kind of hit the nail on the head. Those two have one of those intertwined relationships that people don't really pay attention to anymore. Like they were both in the dojo together. Evil actually jumped Hiromu in, in the rankings and he went off on a terrible excursion first. And, and whilst Hiromu was still there, whilst Naito was his mentor whilst he was in the dojo, Hiromu then goes off and also has a pretty bad excursion in Europe goes to Mexico, finds his feet, and comes back this big, huge star. And and Evil, not so much a big, huge star, but comes back and joins LRJ. And Hiromu's like, well, I'm going to join my mentor and my best friend from when I was a, a young lion in this faction so we can all be together. And Hiromu alludes to that, that that's the reason why he joined LIJ, was because Evil was there. So moving on from that, 
Hiromu gets injured. Evil dolls part of his hair red for Hiromu, brings his jacket out mm. for these roll calls. And it's like, people are expecting Hiromu to immediately hate this guy. Like, mm. like that's not how mm. things work. You don't just suddenly turn your back on your lifelong friend and be like, I hate him now. You and know. he's like, no, I can see his motivations. And you know what? This is a great opportunity for me to become champion. Like he, he said back in the Best of Super Juniors in 2018, he wants to become double champion. And what now, two years later, he can become double champion. Why is he going to go into this match mad? <laughs> you know, mm. if you look at all these logical steps, you're like, this makes so much sense. And, you know, if you have all of that backstory going in, okay, I didn't really enjoy Evil's half of the match, but I enjoyed Hiromu's half of the match because I'm invested in him. Mm. And I, I think I said beforehand, Hiromu's the guy for me. I don't care if it doesn't make sense in my logical storyline booking in my head and my match quality my anything I want Hiromu to win because I he's my favourite wrestler and I want him to win mm. you know he could be up against you know he could have been in that you know the double dash at the dome against you know Okada or Naito in the finals and I would have wanted him to win even though it makes no sense you know because I want him to win and I think a lot of people don't have that you know, if you don't, like, I think we talked about it so much, that character connection, like Lisan's Tanahashi, Steph, you're, you're um, Jay White. We all have that someone that we want to see them win. And it doesn't matter, like, mm-hmm. who they're against or if it's going to be a five-star match. We're going to be happy if they win. And that's, I think that's a big part of it. I'll honestly admit that when Jay White won the title, I was watching that match and having followed his journey, when he won... I, a tear came out and I started crying and it was like an unexpected, you know, when you're like, oh, I know I'm going to cry. This just came out and I was just sitting there going, I'm a grown woman crying at this. And I don't know when the last time, like I cried at something like a wrestling, you know, match type, you know, thing. It's certainly like someone winning a belt because frankly, like if someone wins a belt WWE, it doesn't mean anything. But, um, Jay White, when he won that belt, it made me unexpectedly produce tears. And I realized like that is a level of investment that I had in that that cannot be replicated. You know, like that for me just like hit me as a moment of like how invested I am in in this character. Like this is something that I followed in a way where if you, you know, follow a, a TV show uh, or movies and it means something to you. Like this is the same thing. Like this wasn't just wrestling. This was this whole amazing story that I watched. And now we're at this great, like climactic moment. Like it was just, it was just like such a weird feeling that made me realize like, wow, like wrestling really got me again. And I can't think of the last time. I honestly think the last time it really got me in that level is probably way back in 1998 when Triple H did an intercontinental title feud with The Rock. <laughs> it was <laughs> time like it got me on that like level, and like I was so young then that I was gonna cry all the time watching things. <laughs> you know, but it had that I idea. don't want to know how many times I've cried watching Hiromu. I cried when he hit the time bomb too. And I completely forgot Dick to go was there. I thought he was going to win. Yeah. Like, Come on! I cried too at that match, like the latest one I cried because it's, and I said it on Twitter, it was like, 
Well, people were criticizing it, like nitpicking every move, every bit of storyline. And I was like, yeah, but I'm the one being happy, crying, feeling all those emotions. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like I'm winning when I watch it because I don't nitpick everything. Mm. Yeah. The- and I, I kind of cried today. I was at work, so I did not cry. But Ibushi leaving without Tanahashi? No. That I, I almost cried. I was like, no, don't do this to me. Don't, please. I just want everyone happy. Don't, please don't. I wanted to ask you about Tanahashi, actually. Because obviously yeah. he's, his story, you're kind of jumping in really at yeah. the end, aren't you? Yeah, I do. And that makes me sad. <laughs> I should have jumped way before. Have you um, gone back and retrospectively gone through sort of the early parts yeah. of his career and... Yeah, I do. Uh, when I have time, I like pick a random match, mm. like not uh, necessarily not a five stars match, not like the biggest one, just a random one, mm. just like that. But uh, yeah, and I think he's really great. I'm I'm a bit sad that his health's not that good anymore. Uh, I think he can do, he can still do good things, because uh, also I feel like Golden Ace had a really short run. Like, they won the belt and uh, mm. they lost its first defense because of the pandemic and stuff. But I feel like it's not usual of New Japan to have uh, a team for a really short amount of time. So I'm a bit surprised to try to break them off right now. Mm. I really don't know what they are trying to do, but if it leads to a Tanahashi versus Ibushi, for Ibushi to go win belts for himself I'm fine with it mm. it's the role of Tanahashi's career at this stage isn't it sadly now yeah now yeah, yeah. and uh, if knowing that he's like Kota's idol uh, it makes it even more like it's again it's all the characters and relationships and how they feel mm. about each other it makes it even more heartbreaking but even more important did you watch finally did you watch um, my dad is a heel wrestler out of yeah, yeah, I did. Thoughts? Um, I, I think it was fun. It was cute, mm. and I only watched it because Tanahashi was in it. But I think it was all right, actually. And the matches were good because obviously it was like Okada and everyone jumping into. It was not bad at all. I liked it. It was su- cute. surprisingly good for something that, if it was Western, would be the worst film yeah. on earth. I think would, so. <laughs> have, have you all seen My Dad as a Heel Wrestler? Yeah. <laughs> it says a lot, isn't it? We're watching Japanese kids' movies now. That's the stage yeah. that we're, we're all at. I, I have to say, I thought it was... They were much better. And I suppose this kind of ties in, again, with all of the sort of character things that you've got. Obviously, Bullet Club. Where does that go over the next few months? Because I don't know about you. Did you... Was there not a point where you just thought Bullet Club is incredibly stale, it's just full of the kind of same old kind of gaijin sub-NWO nonsense. Did you all feel like that? So, like, I know people, like, you know, shit on Bullet Club, but, like, to me, they ha- they have, like, a complete purpose of being these, like, the most, like, disrespectful faction, like, originally like like they were originally formed to be like the rude gaijins that like weren't everything mm. um 
but I actually, I think all incarnations of Bullet Club have been pretty good. Like, I don't relate it to the NWO um, at all, <laughs> like the way the NWO got like diluted. I think the Bullet Club stay pretty strong. I, I like the way that they they change leaders. Um, like, they've had, like, such a great run of, of leaders, and I think that just with Jay, it just he wasn't someone that was established, uh, and he especially was not established to an outside of New Japan audience. So if you have someone that's not, like, really that into New Japan, like Chin Yun, it's like, oh, Jay White's leader of Bullet Club now, like, that must be pretty crap. But, I mean, to me, it wasn't. Um, and each kind of incarnation is something different. So, but now I don't know what they're going to do when he comes back. Like, I can't, it's, I just don't know. It's going to be so interesting because part of me thinks, like, are we going to get, like, two separate factions? Like, a, basically, like, a Gaijin Bullet Club and a non? Because there's now so many Japanese members of the Bullet Club, which is kind of against what Bullet Club originally was. Uh, are they going to turn Jay White face, which would be really, really interesting. Um, I, like, I don't know what they're going to do with him when he comes back. I like as much as I didn't truly believe that it would happen. Like, I was just waiting for him to run out during the Hiromu Evil match, <laughs> and I was thinking, like, imagine if he saved Hiromu. This would be like the greatest thing that ever happened. Like, because. Because um, there was so much, like, interference in that match with, like, Dick Togo and everything. And, like, I was just like, oh, my God, is Jay White going to come and see his brother? <laughs> Imagine that. But obviously he didn't. But I don't – I just don't know what they're going to do with him. But I'm so intrigued. And I but I do hope they don't turn him face because he's an epically good promo as a bad guy. And people – that's the, the other thing about New Japan is – you have to watch the post-match promos because if you haven't watched Jay White do post-match promos, mm. you're not allowed to have an opinion on him. <laughs> I think he's he is such a great post-match promo, but you do you do have to watch those things as well to get like a better idea of who these wrestlers are. Do you think, Sarah, we're missing something? I mean, because it's funny I mentioned that Steph doesn't see the sort of NWO stuff. And it just kind of made me think, is there too many fans who have... It's too much of the 90s. And the 90s always butts into these conversations about what we expect from a group and a faction. And it's that kind of, we can't let go of that because that was the last kind of glory period. And they're still a part of that, possibly for older fans. But then we also bang it into the hand of into the heads of newer fans. Well, you need to need to watch the Monday Night Wars at various points, otherwise you won't kind of get really what a big star is. Um, do you find it to be like that, Sarah? And in fact, that, yeah, that we're missing the point. I think so a little bit. And like, I have to say, like, I was lucky when I was younger. Like, I have two older brothers and they're not significantly older than me, but like, they're definitely a different generation. Like, they're the generation that were teenagers in the Attitude Era. And, you know, so they grew up in that. So I had all these tapes and, yes, VHS tapes in my house. So big part of my wrestling childhood was I didn't watch I didn't watch wrestling in live time. I watched it. I went back and started watching from, like, 94 onwards, WWE, uh, well, WWF. So I think, like, I watched some of that back and was like, this isn't actually very good. Like, why do people talk about this in such, mm. like, a high level? 
especially all these people who focus on match quality. I'm like, well, what match quality was there back then? Not not a lot. <laughs> like there was your like I like Bret Hart and Owen Hart, but that was before the Attitude Era, and then it got kind of bad because what they focus on the characters and they focus on all these relationships so like i do get why people harping back but like you can't we can't always compare back to stuff that happened 20 years ago i think i think we kind of you know we get ourselves into that thing well oh that's been done before well yeah everything's been done before look at tv and and cinema and music everyone's like oh that's been done before so i think we just kind of fall down this rabbit hole and like i don't know i thought bullet club like i think they're cool you know i'm wearing a kenta shirt you can't really see it but like (laughs) him joining like him joining bullet club is one of the coolest things i have ever seen in my life you know like he like that g1 he was getting booed no one was respecting him and he was like well what have i done well people didn't see him as you know one of their own He's this guy who was in Noah. He went off to WWE. Now he's, you know, just joined New Japan because his buddy Shibata got him in, and no one respected him. And what does he do then? He turns his back on Shibata. Turns his back on everyone. You know, Shibata hits him with that hesitation drop kick, which is ingrained in my mind. You know, like that stuff's cool. And then he comes out for the main event, and they're all wearing their matching shirts. They all have their matching track suits. They're just, they were just cool, you know? And I understand why people maybe thought, you know, the books and Kenny weren't cool because, like, they're kind of nerdy. Like, I like them. I'm a big Kenny fan. Like, the, they were nerdy. But now I think Bullet Club are cool again. Like, I don't feel like I could, I can wear a Bullet Club shirt to a wrestling show now and feel like I'm okay with this. Whereas maybe two years ago, you know, I probably would have even side, yeah, I would have side-eyed people for wearing a Bullet Club shirt. But now I'm like, you know what? We've done a full circle. They're cool again. Fine. <laughs> Bullet Club are cool. Like that's just a fact. Is it, is it not too top-heavy though, with Kenta, Evil, and Jay White in there? No, like I thought when Kenta joined, like it was a struggle genius. Like given his whole like, do you want to? and how he basically did not belong in New Japan. So if you don't belong, you kind of, you join the, what's basically like the foreigner group because he kind of is a foreigner in a way because he didn't come up to New Japan. So that's like made total sense. But uh, no, I don't think they're like too top heavy, but we can't, just because, because like Jay hasn't come back, the rest hasn't come back, we can't like see how that's going to work out. But um, I get like this, current incarnation like I love their matching outfits like the way they come out as well I don't get how, why people are constantly shitting on Gato's wardrobe I, <laughs> I think he looks I think he looks great every time <laughs> like, hey, but Dick Togo though does wear a lot of this stuff better no? yeah Dick Togo looks amazing <laughs> but active, active ghetto Beret, like it was, it was so, it was so good. Uh, but the, let's go back to the nineties thing. I think people, um, they just have like, there's such like glory days of like attitude, everything because they like grew up on it. And you know, I watched it at the time. Um, it was, it was a great time, but at the same time, like I was very young. Um, 
but how they did things then like that is not how you have to do it like the only I think the best thing you can take from the attitude era is just to give everyone a character in the storyline like that's the best thing the attitude era did even if the matches were crap and even if some of the storylines were suggestible like um everyone kind of had one even at the bottom of the card and they don't do that properly in american wrestling anymore but they do in new japan really i have a totally different like point of view as i didn't watch wrestling back then because it wasn't really a thing in france uh i watched a bit of wwe because my earliest memories were undertaker like I don't know why I have, like, this flash of memories of him, but it was not well-known. So I don't have that point of view. I'm relatively, really, really new Mm. to wrestling. So when people bring back, like, old stuff, um, I think it's just because it was part of their childhood. Like, you you love something way more if you saw it as as a kid. um, Probably... I could not tell you why because I didn't live it. Like, but uh, yeah, I think people are kind of stuck in it for the people who are stuck in it because it was important to them, like as a nostalgia kind of thing. Hmm. But it still kind of rains heavy these days as well, doesn't it? It still has that kind of. It's still the same decision maker, certainly in the West. I mean, it's still. <laughs> You're yeah. a very Bischoff possibly appearing yeah, on AEW, and it's just like your head in your I know, hands. I know of all that, and uh, maybe that's why I don't really like Western mm. uh, wrestling anymore, maybe because it doesn't appeal to me anymore. Uh, maybe because I feel like it's always kind of the same things over and over again. And I don't, I don't know, maybe it's probably it plays in it for sure. Mm. I was just going to say, like, if you take something like Evil, um, you know, turning to Bullet Club and then, like, becoming champion, uh, that, like, to me, that's just fantastic. Like, like, Gato just went full on with this. Like, we're making this guy, like, double champion. And what frustrates me is something like WWE is, like, they do not get behind people in the same way. Like, they're not brave enough to, to do that um, and to actually like plan out storylines um, there's you know I've already heard people say like oh, that they think that Drew's gonna like lose the belt at SummerSlam oh if that happens who's it gonna go to Randy Orton how long have I been watching Randy Orton like mm-hmm. I can't believe I am still watching Randy Orton and I can't believe I'm still watching the big show and the fact that there's even this thought of um like stopping i would like honestly even if like i'm at the point where even if drew was bad which he's not i would say just please go full hog with this guy because he's at least a young guy that you have the chance to like build something with but they just have to hang on to these older guys and they will never give someone that proper investment endorsement to actually make them a star and Gato would do like he put the belt in Jay White he didn't like he didn't keep the belt for very long but he gave Jay that endorsement and that kind of like faith in him to actually make him someone that it doesn't seem to happen over in WWE 
Yeah, I was kind of saying that the other day that uh, people were are complaining a lot that nothing new happens, but when something new happens, like evil, mm-hmm. they complain too. Yeah. So, like, what what do you want, like, for real? And I think as well, it's, it's one of the kind of final things I, I just wanted to bring up from sort of the evil points is, is that maybe we're missing something with the actual match style as well. I mean, it's a dangerous move to kind of deliberately wind up your audience. Yeah. But if you have the kind of level of investment because of the characterization, can you get away with that? And I think recently, I'll just sort of try to make a very crass comparison with, say, a Game of Thrones, doing things like killing off big characters when it was good in the early seasons. And <laughs> that kind of, of, of a thing would shake up the show and it would normally kind of think, well, how are you going to cope without this character? But in fact, it's part of a bigger plan and it makes sense within that. And Ghetto's got enough goodwill, hasn't he, uh, uh, at that point? Someone we haven't mentioned, but Akada. I don't want to explain the King of Pro Wrestling Tournament. I don't <laughs> know what it is. Other than Jeff Jarrett seems to have worked. He might be running two companies at the same time, in which case, God bless you, Jeff. But is this part of his character, the bit where he hasn't got the title, so he kind of loses the plot? Because the last time we had balloons and long trousers, didn't we? So I don't know, Sarah. I mean, how do you feel about it? I think people say he's stale because you, there's. I think no matter what company it is, you can have like a man on top for so long, mm. and like he was a very dominant champion for for a lot of time. Like when you look back from maybe 2016 onwards, how long has he held that belt in that time? It's quite a lot of time. Like I'm a huge Okada fan. I don't have the investment in him like I do maybe some other people. But, like, I know when I'm going to sit down and Okada's in the main event, he's going to deliver and he's going to deliver every time. Like, he is your go-to. Like, if you're like, ooh, what match will I put on? Yeah, um, like, Okada has a few bangers. Let's let's put him on. Yeah. And I, I think it took him a while to kind of be comfortable in himself that he can go off now and dye his hair red, wear balloons, change his music up that he's gone mad hitting Rocky over the head with balloons, you know, appearing Yano DVDs and just giggling and being himself. And I think you're right. I think it is kind of part of his character. And he's he's kind of being more of himself. Mm. Like at the very beginning of The Rainmaker, it's this very polished, you know, covered in gold, money. You know, he drives a Ferrari. He's, you know, he's, he's money. Whereas now I think we're seeing a bit more of the authentic, real Okada bits that we see in other wrestlers are finally coming out in him to allow fans go that extra mile because all you hear from Okada from other wrestlers like you hear on podcasts like Okada seems to be the nicest guy you know it's you know he loves just going out having a good time after shows you know drinking a few drinks you know getting on karaoke you know you hear nothing but good stories of Okada the person and I think for so long we saw him as this just polished guy who would put on these great matches but there wasn't a lot of depth to him other than that and I think it kind of adds that nice story to him like I don't think he's stale I mean he just had my eyes two five star matches in January what more do you want from the man (laughs) (laughs) we are brutal on a card aren't we Steph sometimes like any criticism of him is just like we've kind of forgotten this he had two of the greatest series of matches that have ever existed but I think his char- I think his character 
like I love the whole red hair balloon thing. Like that made him like a complex. That's now made him like a complex character, and he is definitely someone that started off as like yes, being this polished like the great Okada, and then he had basically this breakdown. And what we're at now, like um, as Sarah was saying about, I think him as a person, like from the stories I've heard about him as a person, he seems to be quite a goofy person actually. Mm. Um, and he's like he's letting that out, but he's definitely there because he's so great as a wrestler and like a five star wrestler, he could literally be just a robot um type no character person, but he's so much more like layered than that. Um whether he's like in the main event or not, um, you know, all respect to Okada. Like, I don't know what this King of Pro West is going to be, but like, I'm certainly excited, you know, with New Japan because you have to give them that goodwill of, I know so many people are like, what, like, what the hell is this? Like, the, this is going to be awful, but, um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see them do like different types of matches because like that's not something you get in New Japan. So they're giving us, you know, something different. Um, this one, how do you feel about Okada? Uh, I, I like him. Like, um, uh, like Sarah would say, he's not like my all time favorite, but mm. when I see him, I'm, I'm happy. Like I'm like, Oh, that's Okada. He's going to do a great match. He's going to be fun. He's cool. Uh, and I think the King of Pro Wrestling thing is really funny because it feels like Okada is like, I can't have the belt, then I'm going to make a title for myself. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to do my own thing now. And I'm really interested in seeing that because it's going to be different type of matches. New Japan is always like a six-man tag match or singles. And... Yeah, I'm excited to see where it leads. And I hope Okada wins and he's like, this my title. No one can have it. I created it for myself. <laughs> it almost suggests that the whole purpose of it might be, I'm not saying Okada going mad. Again. Well, I did say it earlier on, didn't I? Okada <laughs> going a bit mad and, and then he does this and he kind of has to create his own title and everything else in the meantime. But he gets bored easily. Um, I did want to kind of... Uh, finish off and it's not necessarily about New Japan but um, it's really about sort of Dragon Gate now I know Steph you don't watch Dragon Gate yeah. Lisson you've just started watching Dragon Gate yep. Sarah, you, Sarah you love a bit of Dragon Gate yeah and, I do and obviously as well And um, like, what do you make of, of, sort of Dragon Gate in comparison to New Japan because you're talking about we were talking about female audiences earlier on. You were at Budokan. You went, though, but you said your first show that you went to when you were in Japan was a Dragon Gate show. And how did you find that? Was there anything comparable between the two experiences? I mean, I was probably so jumped up on energy. Like, it was, I, I got to Japan, and the first thing I did when I got to Japan, no word of a lie, is I went into a shop and bought a Dragon Gate ticket. Um, and like it wasn't even a big show it's just this random you know tour that they were doing it was like day four of you know and it was all tag matches there's no single match to be had on the card and what just 
Cork in itself is special and then seeing that laid out and there's some other promotions laid out like everyone has their different feel and Dragon Gate I think actually has a very homely feel to it and I think even you see online I have to say Dragon Gate fans are like the friendliest fans you will find online and they're just so happy to share this experience with other people and educate other people because I think, like New Japan, it has this depth and these stories and these relationships with all these wrestlers. And that's definitely something that I found. Like, I was so happy to see, at the time, natural vibes were still a thing. And to see the natural vibes dance and see Genki Horiguchi, a guy that I, you know, he was probably my first favorite Dragon Gate guy, him and BB Hulk. And then, like, I got to see... Who I used to, I still call them Speed Muscle, like Doi and Yoshino. I saw them, I saw them team with Ultimo Dragon. I was like, and I, kind of, I was kind of sitting there, like, who am I? Like, I like Dragon Gate. I'm not like the Dragon Gate fan. I'm like, who am I that I get to see him, you know, coming back after leaving before Dragon Gate was established? You know, with Doi and Yoshino, two of the biggest Dragon Gate wrestlers of all time. And I was kind of just sitting there, like, like is this real like it's it's a very special feeling and i think the dragon gate system and the dragon gate story really rewards people and if you just go back in and just dive in head first and you learn about the jimmies and you learn about you know shingo and bb's hulk's relationship and i think it's a very special company I was also going to ask you, Sarah, what was in terms of the makeup of the audience? Because we hear about Dragon Gate being particularly popular with women. In Japan, in New Japan, when they've done their audience surveys, they say they look at a sort of 60-40 ratio of uh, males to females. Was, was that very much your experience of it? Yeah, I think so. I think that was it was around the same, I'd say, 60-40. To be honest, nearly all the shows I went to that weekend, I'd say were 60-40. Mm. Um you know, like, I went to a stardom show as well, and even that was 60-40, you know, like, I was sitting in a particular section that was for women only, Yes. and it, I thought that was interesting in itself, but I also just bought the ticket because it was the cheapest one, <laughs> so I wasn't particularly buying it for any other reason. I was like, fine, cheap ticket. Good, good work. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting, the makeup, and, like, I was lucky enough to, to go to Budokan to the G1 finals, and it is... It is just so nice just to see, like, a sea of men and women just going in to enjoy their wrestling. And, yeah, like, I think it's it's very different in, in Japan. I'm so jealous. Uh, listen, <laughs> you've just started on Dragon Gate, and, and you're sort yeah. of dipping in and out. Do you find there's yeah. big similarities between that and New Japan? Uh... I, I would say a bit like um, in the faction kind of way they do have a lot of faction and they're they are really important and all mm. the relationship between the people in said faction are like really important but um i think what i like with dragon gate is that it's a bit smaller and like sarah said a bit homely like mm. it has a, i don't i know i can watch it and just not think about anything just like it will be fun it will be uh, just good matches and cool people and stuff. And I think also they do um, speak a lot. Like, there are a lot of promos. Mm. And the problem right now is that we don't have um, translation. 
So sometimes you're a bit lost. Uh, they do commentary now again, so it's good. In English. No, Larry Dallas, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, sometimes you're a bit lost because they do talk a lot and it seems really funny and cool, but you just don't get it. So hopefully you can learn Japanese enough to understand. But um, it, it just feels more cool. more And maybe it's because there are less uh, Western fans. So, like, you go on Twitter and the fans are just happy to watch. Like, there is no debate, no people angry at stuff. It's just, oh, it was a nice show. It was fun and cool, mm. you know. You didn't get people like, well, I can remember, yeah, when Ben K beat Pac. And I think the only time I've ever seen any time that people were angry about Dragon Gate was just to do with Pac not losing. Well, and I watched... suddenly I was this actually... kind of anger at him. Uh, actually, no, I didn't watch that yet. I did watch another, another match, but yeah, people were angry because Pac lost. I'm not too surprised. <laughs> but Ben Benke is the best. So, I yeah, mean... <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm big on Benke. He uh, at that moment in time, he allowed Pac to take pinfalls. So I, was, I felt quite grateful for when he managed to win. <laughs> Steph, you don't watch Dragon Gate. Have you watched it before? Have you ever tried to dip in and out? I have never just been striking it. I feel now like I will, though. <laughs> it said, well, you're on Spotlight on Monday. So, yeah, <laughs> I, it just announced that, that, that spoiler. So, I can get show to watch. I'll 100% watch it. I mean, like, for me, you know, there's there's so much wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, there's so much to watch that, yeah. But Dragon Gate, um, it does sound like a investment Uh level, you know, that I've I've given to New Japan, I've given to AW, and I'll see how much of my mind I have left to handle yeah. <laughs> There comes a point where you can't watch, you can't watch enough of it. I many times I'm I'll happily be a canary in a coal mine watching rubbish, but then even I am going triple A again? Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so funny I've spent this whole podcast talking about storylines and everything mm. but really now I'm like if someone tells me oh, you need to watch this match it's four and a half I'm like Grant I'll fire it up let me fire up that old Japan let me fire up this <laughs> Japan Grant you know it is so funny like that's just how different things are for different companies like I very rarely I'd sit down and watch a whole Noah show but if you tell mm. me that you know I don't know I'm trying to think of someone like Nakajima's after putting in an absolute banger. I'm going to go watch it. <laughs> you know, it's very weird. I, I find that there's so much that you're trying to kind of dip in and out. And I don't know how many of you do that. Any of you watch any old Japan? I mean, not sort of the, the classics like you're told that you should do. Um, but it's, it's, I kind of often wonder at the same time what is all Japan it seems to be mainly aimed towards a very male audience. And it, it, like, I think that's almost like the direction that it goes in. And it's trying to be something very different, which we mention all of these promotions. They all have their little niches, don't they? Um, one last question before we finish up. It's a really, really quick question. Tokyo Dome's happening. Fingers crossed there's some sort of vaccine um, by the end of the year. Please, God, let it be a vaccine. Um, what is your Tokyo Dome main event? Uh I'll start off with you, listen. No pressure. Uh, um, Naito Hiromu. Ooh, that would be... It, ooh. Naito, I mean, I... Uh, that's the dream one that you would like. 
we we did not get it because of the pandemic and I just mm. really want to see it like at the top because it's important to me so yeah <laughs> Steph um honestly like same answer um I'm just waiting for Hiromu to be the like top guy basically so uh Hiromu Naito like I you know originally thought Hiromu would win the cup to get the Naito match because we didn't get it mm-hmm. um but now I feel just because he had the match with Evil I feel like there's actually more chance that he can break away into like proper heavyweight main event like division so it might be too soon but I would love it to be Hiromu Naito Okay, we have two for that. <laughs> Somehow I feel Ghetto's ready to crush those dreams. What about you, Sarah? Are you the same? Are you going to be the contrarian of the group? So are we doing two nights or one night again? <laughs> oh, there we go. Um, it might be three nights because they'll look to get in only a third at a time, possibly. <laughs> you know, it's very funny. When I went to um, the Super J Cup and Rock Your Marrows on the card... He let us in that it was going to be two nights at the Dome. And I don't know if Rocky lied to me or if it's uh, not going to happen because of the pandemic. Might never find out. But that's what he said. Um, Okay. So, but if we have to go for one night, I'm going to go three for three at Hiromu Naito. And I think it's because I think all of this has proven that Hiromu transcends divisions. He is, I think he is the biggest star that they have. I think he's, to be honest, I think he is bigger than Naito now. And Naito was the guy for the fans for so long. Even if New Japan didn't put him there, the fans put him there. And I think they're they're doing the same with Hiromu. And I think everyone's just bought into his story. And I think that's that's the moment. And like I can just imagine the roar of the Tokyo Dome crowd if he won that match and just how that moment would just be a perfect moment for everyone. Even Naito losing, he's had his Dome moment now that he's wanted for so long. And I think he'd be more than happy that Hiromu, his, his, you know, is one of his favorites, you know, his probably is like his little brother also getting his big moment. So I think it would just be perfect. I got, I got chills when you said that, like the roar of the, Tokyo Dome, if Hiromu's win, yeah. <laughs> There's something about Hiromu that um, I think especially, like, I've noticed recently, it's almost like there's, like, a, a pureness and joy to, to him that when stuff is really bad, he's, like, the person that you can have that, like, faith in and, and trust in that can, like, make you smile, like, no matter what. And I think that if they, like, put the rocket to Hiromu in New Japan, I think he could even transcend out of, out of side of New Japan, like, if other people that are not into Japanese wrestling give him a chance and kind of got to know him a bit. Like, he's, he's the guy, like, he, he's the guy, like, I mean, I watch his YouTube videos. Like, I can't understand Japanese. Like, you know, I watched a whole video about him getting his hair dyed when the hairdressers reopened. And I, I I just watched it with just, like, utter joy of watching this, like, lovely, happy man finally get his hair dyed put back in and not knowing, like, a word that he said. And, like, just how he just, he just 
has the ability to like fill your heart with such joy that I think it's something that a lot of us really need. And he's oh, the guy. Gosh, we need it. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, thank you all so much. It's been an absolute delight having you all on on what is a remarkably sticky Friday night here. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you all so much. Listen, where can the good listeners find you? Uh, just on Twitter, I think, uh, at Lison Ma, M-A, uh, M-A. Sorry, I went French on that one. Uh, so it's L-I-S-O-N-M-A on Twitter. Fantastic. Thank you. Sarah, Thank you. where can we find you? Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Sarah Flan, also at the two Sarahs. Um, we still do have a podcast. You might not have recorded in a while, but it's still there. So if people want to go so. back and listen to some really cold takes and hopefully we can get together soon. And Socially distance me, in the 4L garden? Yeah, I think so. I think so. They live close enough to me. It's fine. Uh, just had to find something to talk about. <laughs> some wrestling, good wrestling to talk about. I think that's the problem right now. Um, and then if you don't mind a third plug, you can also listen to uh, Journey Through Gorilla Island um, yes. with me and... and Three other people who you, people probably know, Barry, Zig, and Emma. Um, we have great fun. And that's also on hiatus due to pandemic-related reasons, but we no doubt we'll be back soon. I look forward to that. They're very, very fun. I love that and Days of Thunder. I find myself as two retro sh- shows I'm just working working my way through. And Steph, last but by no means least, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at StephanieMGs uh, on YouTube forward slash Stephanie Chase Wrestling or just search Stephanie Chase. I'm the one that does wrestling, not the violinist. Are you <laughs> not? There's a violinist called Stephanie Chase that <laughs> really annoys me. But yeah, I'm the one that does all the wrestling stuff. And I just wanted to say thank you, JP, for putting together like such a great, lovely panel to talk about the wonderful topic of New Japan. Oh, thank you. Absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. And, um, we will be hearing you again on Monday on Spotlight. Um, you'll be hearing me on that. That's where. Uh, that's the end of this one. You can find me on Twitter at JPGP. And I'll speak to you all on Monday. Bye. Bye. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.